Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy. We are covering a cult classic legend. One of the all-time great roles by an actor, John Voight, slays in Anaconda. Hang out with us while we break it down for you guys. We'll see you in just one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. Boom! Oh, it's smooth. We felt like we were doing Dre a little too much, so we had to move through other members of NWA. Next, we're going to do uh, a little easy, you know, just work our way through the entire catalog of NWA. The entire catalog. The entire catalog of NWA. John Boyd announced this music. Wow, what an interesting week this is. Yes, it is, guys. Welcome to the show. This is Action Movie Anatomy. If you guys are new to the show, first time, we talk action movies on this show. And uh, this is the Popcorn Talk Network. You are watching or listening to the online online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies and all things movie related. Uh, we discuss what we believe are the greatest action <laughs> movies of our time. And for years, Andrew and I, my co-host Andrew Guy, right here. Hey, that's me. Nice I'm, to meet you. I'm Ben Bateman. Um, you guys can find us on Twitter, Ben Bateman Media. Yeah, you guys can find me at Andrew Guy, and you can find the podcast at AMA Podcast. Please follow along. And I got the live chat going. <laughs> for seven minutes for a little bit <laughs> until my phone dies um so <clears throat> we have been we have been quoting anaconda specifically two lines from anaconda for like years several years yes like, like andrew and i have been talking movies together for a long time and this was like one of the movies that we bonded over and neither of us had taken the time to sit down and watch the movie anaconda like legitimately sit down beginning to end no distractions not on cable not at work not while you're doing something else Sit down and watch this movie. Now, to clarify, we had both seen the movie. A lot. We just hadn't watched it together. I think I used to watch this movie, like, kind of drunk with my roommate, Jeff, years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately, like, this was not a movie that I would, like, flip on for fun. So we decided, just like old times, we'd order a deep dish pizza, drink a bunch of whiskey, and uh, turn on Anaconda. We even actually bought, like, uh, Easter candy, the the Twix Twix half eggs. Eggs, yeah. And ice cream. And then we made sandwiches and, like, uh, sliced them, and we were both very ill the next we, we day. We did not feel well. And when I was leaving, Ben was like, you should take the whiskey. And I was like, ah, I'm going to leave it. I was like, take the whiskey. Like, take the whiskey. I was like, nah, I'm good. And then, he's, and like, then he's, like, he's like, he's like, okay, okay, I'll take the whiskey. I was like, all right, I'm going to bed. And then flash, <laughs> fast forward to the next day, Ben texts me, goes, did you leave the whiskey and take the ice cream? <laughs> you bet your ass I did. Priorities, Bateman. <laughs> Real thing, guys. It's a real, so, real life. So, uh, yes, we watched Anaconda. And I have to say, we had a lot of thoughts about this movie. Um, 
it's in like several reference lists and books as like the greatest or like one of the greatest good bad movies ever. Like, yeah. So this movie has a cult following. People For sure love this movie. I think it only has a cult following. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a weird movie in the sense that like it became it became like one of the definitive sort of '90s examples of that good bad genre, which as as digital media like evolved and this movie took on that cult status in the next five to ten years mm-hmm. and cable and everything like that. That's when movies like this really took on lives of their own. Yeah. Because memes became a thing. Memes and became a thing and things getting replayed on cable over and over yeah. and over for literal decades. I mean, yeah, online content lists, like top ten this, top ten that, BuzzFeed lists. Like, this is one of those movies that everybody remembers because of cable. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's like if you say to someone, like, name three John Voight movies. I feel like most of the time, this would be the first movie they'd name. I think so, too, and it's funny because you and I had a conversation, like, yesterday. Ever since Ben and I were on the Schmodown, which I just saw that someone has been <laughs> obsessed with our show since we uh, did the Schmodown. Thank so you. Thank you. Thank we're going to be back on it very, very soon. Yeah. Um, Got a match coming up. We do. Uh, but we were talking about how um, we quiz each other. On the, we just text each other all day, quizzing each other, yeah. uh, movie trivia. And, and I sent him one about... Um, Hades and Hercules. Remember that? Yeah. And, and and I was like, ah, it might be a really easy question, but that's kind of the only role that people our age know James Woods for is Hades. Like, yeah. I mean, like I was, I said to you, I was like, I think Casino comes yeah. to mind because it's 95. It's a couple mm-hmm. years earlier. And I think like a lot of the people in our generation watch that because it's... But when you think Casino, it's not like people are like, oh yeah, James Woods. Yeah. You're like, you oh, I've, if you've seen Casino, you're like, I remember his character. If you yes. haven't seen Casino, you're like... I, I think that's De Niro and Pesci in that movie, and Sharon Stone. Yeah, and, and James Woods had a long career. And the same thing with John Voight is John Voight is an Academy Award winner. He's been around for f- 50 years now. I mean, Midnight Cowboy won Best Picture in, like, 1967. Yeah, and and <laughs> this is the movie that most people our age know him for. Yeah, Anaconda. crazy. Anaconda. Anacondas. So, yes, guys, we decided we would cover Anaconda at the... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline suggestion of a fan and we it sounded like a great idea we yeah. were we were all in we were so stoked we were stoked and here we are we have to spend an hour actually intellectually discussing the movie anaconda so <laughs> there's a lot to be said about this film there is um, and before we get into it guys we will introduce the rules of the show and then we're going to cue the trailer yes we will the rules of the show is one the hero always plays by their own rules okay this is a problem because there's like no hero He's both hero, villain, and legend. <laughs> John John Voight's all the characters. He there, none of the main characters are. The fact that Eric Stoltz is supposed to be like like that he's even in the movie is ridiculous. They were like, it's 1997. We need a straight white male leading the cast. Like we can knock him out after 20 minutes, but we need to open the movie with him leading. The, like that's the only way this movie gets made. It's like, yeah. are you kidding? It's like we had to have Eric Stoltz to set it off. Yeah, and then the, so it's like I guess it's Jennifer Lopez is the hero, but like. They don't really make her super capable. They make her... No. She just kind of survives. She's kind of a damsel in distress for some of the movie, and she kind of, like, owns it at the end, but mm-hmm. it's really just that the snake actually owns it, and she survives. Yeah, it's it's really tough, because this movie doesn't really follow a normal movie formula. No. There's, like, no hero. There's John Voight. Like you said, he is the hero and the villain. 
And a legend. And a legend. <laughs> Greatest accent ever. Someone said something about overacting. Guys need to calm down. Uh, I am an actor. I am I an know. actor and I know. Uh, all right, so let's get into the rules here. Yeah, rule number two. The hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. I mean, I, again, this suggests that John Voight's the hero and the snake is the villain because yeah. he's 100% the smartest guy in the room. And he is the only reason they stay alive for as long as they do. And the snake is definitely the villain. And it's definitely the smartest yeah, yeah. thing in the room. In so the- there you go. That rule fits, that fits. But, but eliminates the rest of the cast. R- <laughs> rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. Technically, John Voight could be a mercenary. Who's hired him, though? They didn't hire him. No, he just showed up. He just showed up, right? He, <laughs> he just lives out there. He's just, he just hanging out in the jungle. My ball ran out of guys. Waiting for a boat to uh, to jump on. He's like pretty close to Scarface, <laughs> but not quite, you know? <laughs> I tried so hard to find any interviews of John Voight talking about this role. I like I spent like hours He's reading. Like, like, I refuse. I didn't find anything. I was like, please give me a clip of him talking about this movie. Please tell me there was a red carpet, something that I could find. <laughs> I couldn't find anything. And he's like, and you finally find one. He's like, this is the great lost role in my career. This I, is the one. The day, I've interviewed John Voight once before, but only for like two minutes at uh-huh. like the like Creative Arts Emmys or something. Oh, and he was super nice, but like I didn't really get to talk to him. I was working for a bigger outlet where I didn't get to write my own question. And it, I think it was he, I can't remember what the what we asked him about. I just don't remember. Right. But if I ever get to talk to him, I'm going to, like, this is, a, this is the only you thing I want to talk about. to talk about. This. I mean, it's funny, right? Deliverance, Midnight Cowboy, Heat. Like, he's in these movies that are, like, <laughs> excellent, excellent films. He won an Oscar for coming home. <laughs> yeah. he, like, he's, but it's Anaconda. That's no question the movie I want to talk about. That's what I want to talk to him about. Yeah. yeah. And so rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. There's definitely yes. an explosion in this movie. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have a 90s movie without an explosion. You really couldn't. And we have a great little uh, 90s question that Josh Ryan presented. But let's get into the trailer here. Yeah, let's we'll cue get it to up. that. Great, great 90s trailer. Make sure it's all on board. Pray you didn't forget your bug spray. They have come to the world's most isolated jungle. The Cub to explore the unknown Amazon. Ready? I think so. And conduct scientific research to prove the existence of a long-lost tribe. Shinoshama worship giant snakes. Anacondas. Anacondas. Protectors. Guys, protectors. What is this? Anaconda skin. He's it's so good. Up there, this big. This snake's this skin big. is three or four years yeah. old. Whatever shed it has grown since then. Snakes don't eat people. Oh, they don't? That's it, man. I'm getting the hell back to L.A. It's always good to be prepared. Now, they are the ones being watched. He's just amazing. Dad. The ones being followed. Nobody move. The ones being hunted. There's something down there. The intro to Fist Pump needs to be... I really mean it. I really mean it too. But not by anything (laughs) human. If we help him, then he will help us get out of here alive. Get out of my face! You're gonna get us all killed! Anaconda, that was sweet. The eyes, through the A's. That was you amazing. Can't yeah. Scream. That's a good. That's a good tagline. Yeah. You can't breathe. You can't scream. I remember um, going to a a sleepover 
in uh, fourth grade at like mm-hmm. one of my buddy's houses. Like it's a weird memory. Like his, I, his parents had gotten divorced, and like there wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot of divorce yet. Really sad. In like in the when we were like nine, there wasn't a lot of divorce yet. And like I remember, like I was used to always growing up going to his, his parents' house, but this was like his mom's new place, mm. and we all were there. And they rented Anaconda. It was ninety, like late ninety seven or something, ninety eight. And uh, I was like, I hadn't seen it, and it was like, a, I was like, oh, we get to watch Anaconda. And it, was yeah. like, oh, it was like an R rated. Is it R rated? I be. think it's PG thirteen. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, it is PG thirteen because they dubbed over a bunch of the, the f words to make them friggin' yeah, right, right, friggin', yeah, yeah. friggin'. Yeah. So it was scary though. I remember. Uh, yeah. And that shot, you know, the shot of, of Voight on the ladder and the uh-huh. snake. No. Yeah. Still looks good. Yeah. And so does the uh, the waterfall. Like, the right? waterfall from away still looks cool. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, it, when we were younger, this movie was terrifying. Yeah, it was actually quite scary. And and, and our audience here is talking about how we're... Look, guys, we can do this intellectually for an hour. We can definitely do this. So, moving forward, we're going to get it right into our bold, thes- bold thesis statement, which I think is going to be really interesting for a movie like this. Yeah, and if you're a new listener, new viewer to the show, um, thesis statement, it's just like, you want to have a statement that you can defend all throughout the movie. Something really big, either like... Factual, like this. This is the way this movie is, or it's the greatest. This, the only this, the first this. Something should never be like. This is one of my three favorite roles of the right. '90s. It should be. This is one of the three greatest roles of the '90s. If you were going to do that, yeah. which it's not. Um, <laughs> it's the single greatest role of the '90s. <laughs> no, my thesis statement. I'm going to jump in with is this: Anaconda as a movie has this incredible '90s ensemble cast. However, mm-hmm. this movie could have been made with two characters and the snake. And it would have been the same movie. It would. You don't need any of the, none of the extra characters. The only character you need is somebody playing Jennifer Lopez's role, Voight, doing yeah. everything he's doing, and the snake, and the snake. Because literally, this, none, none of the movie's believable. None of the characters add anything to the plot. It's right. just to make it over ninety minutes. So like, she would go out on a boat, like working for National Geographic by herself to do this thing and meet this civilization. And she'd be like, I didn't have the money for a producer, or my guy got sick last minute, and I have to do it myself. And the movie would start, and it would be, like, a lot of her on the boat for, like, 10, 12 minutes. Right. And then Voight would show up because he'd have his stranded boat, and he would board her boat. Yeah, and, and that, we, that's the whole movie. That's and then, it. And then it's the snake, and it's, like, a subversive, like, cat and mouse between the two of them. Yeah, and they could maybe meet people along the way so that people could get killed by the snake. Yeah. But it's, like, really, really the only the only reason the cast is there, is, or the crew is there, just to get killed. Yeah, 100%. Lady Bird. But the thing is, even them getting killed, which is, like, fine. It doesn't even add it, much tension or... John Voight, sing- he's a tour de force in this he movie. Is he is a tour de force. And, like, we joke a lot about this, but this is something I always, always, always say. And it's a lesson. Kevin Undergaro, who is the owner and started Popcorn Talk and everything, mm-hmm. he always says this. Like, when you go watch a movie and you say, well, this was wrong with it and this was wrong with it and this was wrong with it and X, Y, or Z, he's like, it made this much money and this many people saw it. Yeah. So why don't you start thinking about what they did right, not yep. what they did wrong? Yep, Kevin always says that. And it's a smart thing to say because if you really think about it, while Anaconda is a bad movie, like I think we can with a straight face say. Oh, it's not a good movie. It's not a good movie. John Voight is so sweet and so memorable in this movie, and the campy stuff they write into this movie is so memorable. This made a ton of money and became a cult classic that gets replayed, and cable networks pay to play on their stations. Absolutely. For years to come. Everyone, Eric Stoles is still getting his residuals. So, John Voight, I say he's a tour de force and I'm laughing... But, like, no one's going to be like, hey, let's go watch Coming Home on cable. They're going to say, let's watch Anaconda let's watch on Anaconda. cable. Yeah, and the thing is, is that it is a tour de force. Like, I know it's <laughs> ridiculous, and I know a lot of people say that he's overacting, but <clears throat> without John Voight in this movie, it's unwatchable. Unwatchable. It is unbearable, and, and like, he makes everything fantastic. So I think what my thesis statement is, is I think the 90s is the most poorly aging <laughs> genre of film. Oh, really? I really do. 
Worse think, than the 80s. I think that the 80s and 70s and 60s are so far detached yeah. that like when you watch an 80s movie, it feels like a time capsule. And you go back, you watch Breakfast Club or, I mean, yeah. uh, Breakfast at Tiffany, any of those movies. We watched Monster Squad for the JMP episode. It was like, this yeah. is so 80s. It's so weird. It's so 80s. But like, there's still something kind of fun about it. Whereas like the 90s, unless you grew up in the 90s, these movies aren't really, you can't really appreciate them. And, and it's funny, like I... You know, I've been hanging out with this guy, a uh, graphic designer at one of the offices I work at, and he plays a lot of 90s music. He just loves 90s music. He grew mm-hmm. up in the 90s. And he said, like, yeah, bro, 90s. And I was like, that's like eight, nine years ago. People used to talk about the 80s like that, yeah. you know, and they used to talk about 80s. And, and I realized that the 90s is now that way for people. But I don't think it's the same thing because I, I would agree, like, the 80s has all these, like, really distinctive, very stylized things going on. Yeah, it's like they've made specific choices in the 80s. Or something. And the 90s almost just feel like a, a slightly, like, a little bit behind-the-times version of what the 2000s and the modern day is. I mean, yeah, it's like, I felt like the 90s was just, like, an adjustment phase for a decade for us to kind of figure out what we wanted. I think the 2000s, honestly, is going to feel... Um, be- because this is the thing. Like, the big transition that happens, right, is the late 90s when the internet happens. Yeah. That's, like, really what changes everything. Technology and the way technology is presented in films is, like, one of the big barriers for the way movies age. Mm-hmm. Uh, both in the special effects, but also just in the context of the movies, the way plots are constructed. And that might have been what it was, because the, the, in the 90s, the plots were so fantastical. Yeah. That by the time that the, the internet had come out and, like, 2000 rolled around, it's like everything in the 90s was negated. It was, like, aged really fast. It was aged fast. really fast, exactly, because of the internet. And so... I think because of that, and it's so I didn't even think about the internet being such a huge effect on it. Like ever since the 2000 hit, it's like we have been rapidly evolving every year with film. To I'll bet try you to keep I'll, up with the times. I'll bet you movies from like this is 97, and in 2017, 20 years later, mm-hmm. this feels like it's aged in like a really like pretty pretty poor like you know what I mean? It's like it doesn't feel current. And I would bet you movies that came out in 2007, mm-hmm. in 2027, are not going to feel that way. I don't think so either. And I, and I do think that the 2000s might be the best decade of movies for me. Yeah. And, like, the movies that happened between, like, 99 and 2009. There's some really good movies. There's insane stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's my thesis. And I want to uh, really quickly just see if I can... People saying that it was painful to watch. They felt the same way with Deep Blue Sea. This movie was terrifying for them as a kid, but now it's just not. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, guys. I mean, it it's tough when you you look at something and you adore it so much. Yeah. And I think Independence Day was the big one for us. Yeah. When we looked back at it and we were so excited to do it on the show. And then when we covered it, it was just such a bummer. It was that's such the, a letdown. That's the worst one. We, well, it was early on in the show. I think that for, if we had done Independence Day now, I yeah. think if we hadn't done it then and we had done everything in between and we did Independence Day today... I don't think we would have been anywhere near as let down. No. It was the first one that we did that was a classic for us that we felt like kind of kicked in the nuts by. Yeah, it was was like we were very excited to do it. We knew it was going to be a home run, and it was not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, I find it funny. So if, if anybody is watching or listening that has, like, I'll explain what's going on right now. There's, I'm doing a couple different media endeavors. You guys know that I do this, this Masters of Modern podcast for mm. Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about that on here, and I've talked about this show on there, and there's some crossover. And Twitter has been, because I started this show on Anchor that I'll talk about a little later, like, I got tweeted this morning by a guy that listens to The Magic Show, who I'm going to go and play in a tournament with in Texas this weekend. And he was, like, about to watch Anaconda for the first time. Wish me luck. And I saw that, and I'm like, you know, Ryan, if you're listening to this episode or you're watching, I promise you that Anaconda is not the caliber of movie that <laughs> I would ex- expect you to watch for this show. Like, it is 
This is like a very unique movie. Yeah. I think it's it's not the worst movie we've ever done on the show because it has much more camp value than Independence Day Resurgence has. But like in terms of just like unwatchably bad movie if you're not yeah. in on the joke. Like if we and, and like being a real film critic or if you're watching it by yourself yeah if you're not watching it with someone yeah I, I that's like what i said immediately afterwards like if we watched this alone this yeah. episode would have been not a good it would have not been good yes you know but we digress yeah those are the thesis statements let's move on to the next part of the show um let's move on to fist bump moments yes. so fist bump moments that part of the movie you guys you're watching and uh something happens and you're like oh my god this is so awesome is right, so anybody else seeing this right now this is fucking sweet i get to watch the rest of this movie i'm so stoked you want to call your buddy and tell him to flip on the movie um so john voight is the fist pump yeah every line every scene everything he does yeah the sweat stain i i wrote the sweat stain as my specifically fist pump. his his sweat stain is like pretty it's remarkable bigger and bigger yeah uh yeah he's I always think- sweaty some reason I just like that he calls her a lady bar. Yeah, it's like really creepy and <laughs> yeah. weird. And then he he straight up just murders her. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's just him. Just anytime he does anything, I was like always <laughs> cheering. Yeah, Voight. Yeah, he's the hero. He's the villain, and he's, and the, he's legend. the legend. He could have played the snake, honestly. He could have. He could have <laughs> done the voice of the snake. It would have been great. Yeah, yeah. So I think I mean that's an easy one. Um, look, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. There's three John Voight lines that are sweet. There's his sweat stain, and every time he's on screen, that's going to be the answer to basically all the questions we do about this episode. For sure. And if you guys have your specific (laughs) fist pump moments, please, please put them in the chat because we'd love to read them out. I mean, if I had to pick another one, it would probably be... It might be when (laughs) Voight gets puked back up and winks. And he winks. (laughs) You're like... Of course he winks. For a second there, I was like, is he still alive? Does he come back? I kind of feel like he comes back. Yeah. And for a while there, in my mind, I was like... Oh yeah, and he slices out of the snake's stomach. But I was like, no, that's Men in Black. That's Men in that's, Black. That's yeah. Men in that's Black. That's not this movie. <laughs> yeah, I he, wish he did. This he, would have been incredible. And it would, what an ending if John Voight had sliced out of the snake's yeah, stomach. Ah, yeah, <laughs> still wearing the shirt, sweat stain even bigger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lady Bird. Lady. <laughs> She's dead, John. She's you dead, killed John. Her. You murdered her. Um, yeah, that one, and then yeah, I, I think also that that one they show in the trailer is pretty sweet too, uh-huh. where he rolls out the snake skin. Yeah, that's a good one. The skin is twenty four years old. The snake so dead is big. Yeah. Uh, let's see, fist pump. I'd like to <laughs> pump my fist in flights. Fi- I don't know what that means. Uh, his accent. Basically, yeah. everyone just agrees. It's just his accent. Yeah, a hundred percent. So moving on into uh, star profiles. Yeah. Here. Yeah. These the the two of them were really gunning for it they were doing great for themselves yeah at that moment big time yeah i mean it's they're they're in distinctly different places because the early 90s jennifer lopez she was a dancer on in living color is that right yeah and and so and she was she was getting some work her music career hadn't taken off like it really took off a little bit after this what if you had my love and i gave you all my trust Uh, i don't know ben is that the song (laughs) there's that i I actually don't know j-lo's career that well so there's that song, If You Have My Love. That was, like, one of them, I think. That was, like, her first single, I think. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was Waiting for Tonight, I think, were the two big singles oh, from, like, yeah. then. Right? It's so crazy. You and I were talking about this. Like, Jennifer Lopez is hotter now. Yeah. Like, well, hotter. And this is, like, very subjective. But it's, like, the way that she puts herself together now is there's so much more production into it. And back then she was – it's it's kind of refreshing to see her. It's, like, I'm just a young chick wanting to be an actress, wanting to be yeah. a singer. Like – it was just kind of cool. There might she might be honest to god the most impressive example of a woman completely bucking the trend of like only be you know like only being relevant in your 20s essentially as yeah. an actress. Mm-hmm. She's like 47 and I think she was like 
I think she was on the cover as what the sexiest woman alive. Oh, I just like, saw last something year. recently, and she's still in, incredibly gorgeous. Yeah, she's unbelievable. I just think that's like an un, that's a pretty unbelievable achievement, and with how callous Hollywood is, yeah. to just she's like reversed age. It almost feels like she really has, considering this was twenty years ago, and she's still relevant. No one else in this film is relevant. Yeah, and John Voight kind of because kind of just because he's John Voight and Ray Donovan. Yeah, and Ray yeah. Donovan, but still, um, you know. But, but yeah, so at that point, she had just done Selena the same year. Anything mm-hmm. for Selena. Anything for Selena. You see that movie, right? Of course. Yeah, Selena's yeah. good. Who plays her dad? Trivia question. Uh, I actually don't know. I don't either. I think it's Edward James almost, but I might have just Is made it? that up. <laughs> I think we it's... We don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, before that was Blood and Wine, 1996. And have you seen Jack? Uh, Jack. Oh, Jack. With, with, with Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. That's definitely. a great one. So That's the one where he ages, right? Yeah, where he's like gigantic. Yeah, he's yeah, like he's a kid, but his body's man. grown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Um, and then you got the flip side, which is John Voight. He just did Heat in 95, followed by Mission Impossible in 96, and then Rosewood in 97. So, like, I mean, this is this might be, I don't want to, you can't say pinnacle, but this might be, like, the third, pin, like the third peak Voight, in his career. Voight is, like, in a, in a weird way. Um, so to speak to your point again about him not being relevant anymore, he's kind of like he's not as relevant now, I guess, as he was then. But he's still pretty relevant, it, just in the fact that he gets he gets work. Like he was in Fantastic Beasts, yeah, and he's and like, in like I think he's in something else big that's just about to come out. He was in the Transformers movies. I can as see the another National Treasure movie coming out, and him being in that. Does you he know, play the dad. Matt? Was that yeah, a trivia question you gave me the other yeah, day that yeah, I didn't know the answer the to? Yep. Son of a bitch. Uh, that's the thing, though, is that like. That's why it's hard for me to to to, yeah. to to argue my point, I guess, is because it's like he's not that relevant at all, but you put him in anything and everyone's like, oh, yay. I wonder if he was more – I wonder if people thought of him as more relevant at this point in his career. I mean, these movies – Heat's massive and everybody loved Heat. Yeah. That movie is well-reviewed and he's got, he's got a good role in it. Same Mission with Impossible. Mission Impossible. Yeah, he's good in that. And then Rosewood in 97, it's like – I think it's like, like him and Ving Rhames. No, it's like a it's like an old school like lynch mob kind of drama. Oh, um, okay, okay. The movie's pretty well-reviewed. And then on, on the flip side – uh, Blood and Wine, actually, because usually what happens with this is there's one there's one credit in there that's like not relevant. Mm-hmm. Blood and Wine in '96, um, that's Jack Nicholson, yeah, and it's directed by a guy whose name is not coming to mind for me, but it's the same guy that directed both Five Easy Pieces and The Postman Always Rings Twice. Like he hmm. is multiple time Oscar nominated with Jack as his main guy. So the '96, him directing Jack again in Blood and Wine, that's like a real movie. That right. was a big deal movie. What was her role? Was she like a, like a small? I, I've never seen it. I yeah. just was I was reading about it, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I don't know about that movie, but I mean, all all of these credits that we're mentioning are pretty relevant. So, I think we can agree, though, for us, the sweetest John Voight role there is is definitely in this movie. It's definitely in this movie, and, and it's, it's because of the accent. Absolutely. So let's count down a few of our favorite other accents, both good and bad, that stand out and are extremely memorable. Okay, well then, I I just gotta say it first. It's a Scarface. Oh, you love Scarface? Like yeah, I don't yeah. even know if I love it. It's just yeah. too much. Yeah, it's like overacting. It's it, classic. It is, and like going back and watching it, you're like, God, he's trying so hard. It's like Voight. Did you see somebody left that comment? This is really interesting, and I can't believe that I forgot this. But I think you and I both know this. We were talking about Scarface being remade. Scarface is a remake. It's a yeah. remake of a 1920s gangster film. Yeah, yeah. It's called something else, isn't it? It's called Scarface. Oh, it is. But okay. it's way old, and I just forgot that it existed. Yeah. So it's interesting, if you think about that, that that's the 80s version. So if they remake it today, it's almost like... Could be yeah, sweet. Yeah, right? Because at that point, it's just... <sighs> Who's supposed to play Scarface? It was... It was. Um, I said this. Diego Luna. That's Diego. Oh, right, right. Should right? Be Os- should be Oscar Isaacs. Oscar Isaacs? Yeah, Diego Luna's so... Mousy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really like Diego Luna, and I don't think that I like that I don't like Diego Luna. Does that make sense? Like, so many people love him, yeah. and I have no reason not to like him, 
I just don't. I don't know why. I like Diego Luna. He was good in, in Rogue One. Yeah. He's great in Milk. He's mm-hmm. good in everything I've seen him do. I just don't like him. Contraband. Wrapping duct tape around his head. <laughs> uh, okay, so, uh, yeah, so Al Pacino Scar... I don't know why I just did that. <laughs> I hate you, Diego Luna. No, I'm joking. I, I love you. I think you're great. I just don't know why I, um, I'm not inclined to watch your movies. Uh, ben, accent. Uh, I'm going to go with Swayze and Dirty Dancing. Okay, so what is this? So Swayze and Dirty Dancing, like... <laughs> Dirty Dancing's like the breakthrough movie for Swayze. It's 87. It's uh-huh. it's like he's already done Outsiders. He's done like a few movies in the mid-80s, but it's it's prior to Ghost and Point Break. So it's a pretty low-budget movie, and okay. his dancing is like the thing that makes him good in that movie. But he's like this dance instructor that I think is supposed to be from the East Coast. And when he's talking, you kind of get the sense that he's trying to do some sort of loose like Brooklyn. Like, I don't right. Where he's like talking, he's like, he's like, I don't know, baby, you know, one day you're working and they're, they're putting hundred dollar bills in your pocket. Like he's like talking. You're like, I don't really know if that's an accidental right. or it's intentional, but it doesn't matter. Cause like you're Swayze and like no one cares. And this no, movie yeah. was still a total hit. And like no one's, no one ever references that. God, what movie is, there's a movie where someone's doing it. Is it like Quaid? Is it Quaid? They talk or Costner, which one are you talking about? Is it Costner doing a Southern accent or something where he like drops in and out of it relentlessly throughout the movie? Oh, someone was just telling us about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. remember exactly what it was, but that's that's great. Um, uh, speaking of Costner, actually, before we finish our list here, I'm just gonna jump. I'm just gonna jump to a really fun segment here. Um, <laughs> this movie was nominated uh, oh, for, yeah. for six Razzie Awards in mm-hmm. 1998, and it's relevant for this. <laughs> this is like this is like so brilliant. All right, so Anaconda nominated for six Razzies. <laughs> Worst Picture, which lost to The Postman, starring Kevin Costner. Worst Actor, John Voight, which eventually went to Kevin Costner for his role in The Postman. Worst Director, awarded to Costner for The Postman. Worst Screenplay, which lost to Kevin Costner for The Postman. Worst New Star, The Animatronic Anaconda, which went to Dennis Rodman for Double Team. And Worst Screen Couple, Voight and The Animatronic Anaconda, where they lost to Rodman and Jean-Claude Van Damme for Double Team. (laughs) That is brilliant. Right? That was one of the greatest things I think I've ever seen in, on the show. I like needed to clip that. Like just like just like Costner, like every, every actor being like, we don't watch the Razzies. Costner just definitely watching the Razzies. Damn it! God damn it! <laughs> well, it's funny because you said that, and I was like, what, where is he going with this? And I was like, oh, the Postman. And I looked up, and I was like, oh, the Post, the Post, the Post. <laughs> it's like six awards. Also the Postman. Also the post- also Costner and, and the Postman too. Kevin Costner again for yeah. The Postman. Son of a bitch. Uh, so my second one is going to be Hans Gruber. Oh. But it's great. not because of Gruber. It's because of Bill Clay. Bill Clay. Bill Clay. Like the way he uh, says that. It's just, I love that. Oh, uh, 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 p- p- please, please, please don't oh, kill me. Don't kill me, please. Yeah, uh, that's just great. I always love that when you got two fake accents. Yeah. And they're both brilliant. I miss Rickman. That me guy too. was one of the fucking best. Incredible. Um, I'm going to go uh, I'm gonna go in... Really, I wrote him down Anything? for Magnificent Seven because, like, when he first shows up in Magnificent Seven with this voice, comes out talking like that. <laughs> yeah. You're it's, like, what? He's just, like, just bare of a man. Gigantic. Running with, like, a machete. <laughs> and, like, that was our fist bump moment. The first time we heard D'Onofrio talking in Magnificent Seven, like, that was the fist bump that moment. That movie was fun. It was, it was a fun movie. Yeah, I would recommend it. Yeah. I would watch it again. Um, but then also, like, we did Men in Black a little while later. Yeah. And he plays Edgar, Edgar, Sugar. Water, sugar, and water. Ever tried to pull the wings off a fly? Yeah. <laughs> you want to see a fly get even? Yeah. And then, of course, he's incredible as Kingpin. In Daredevil. Bye. Vanessa. Vanessa. Yeah, he's an, he's just a great voice actor. He really is. I mean, and uh, and if you go back to Salt and Sea when he's got his nose taken off, he kind of whistles when he talks like this. 
It's just something about him where he. I really admire his bold choices yeah, and just time. owning them. Yeah, he'd be a cool one interview. He'd be fun. To oh, talk for about. sure. Yeah. Uh, I think for my number one or my last one, I gotta do it. It's a fucking pikey. It's Brad Pitt talking in a uh, sure, yeah. uh, snatch. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah. It's just fun. It's I haven't seen of... Snatch since it came out. Legitimately. Really. The one time when it came out. It's in a, theaters. It's a good movie. Is it? It's a really good movie. It suffered from that. It suffered from that same almost famous syndrome of like, yeah, s- like the Donnie Darkos and almost famouses, and, and yes, is where people just gave it too much credit. It's our age. It. It's our age. It's yeah. exactly the age we were when those movies came out, where they became sort of like fan favorites of people that were like younger than people talking about movies that in our minds were like too young to be talking about movies in the way that we thought we were able to talk yeah, about movies yeah, yeah, which, exactly. which means we had our heads up our asses but totally we just you know we got older and kept talking about movies and kept seeing them and then like worked in the business and like looking back you're like now I can appreciate these movies in a way that the time like I don't want every single girl in my middle school to be Penny Lane I like don't yeah. need you all to just keep saying it's all happening did it's, you know because of how much people love Donnie Darko I've never watched it from beginning to end really I've seen parts of it and I know it's good it's and, overrated it's yeah, a good it's movie overrated and but like I've never watched it from beginning to end also Swayze also a good Swayze role huh yeah he plays a pedophile Um, (laughs) and then my last one is Gary Oldman in Air Force One the first movie we ever did on this show Either you refuel plane yeah. or plane crash I can't do it right now yeah he's hear it I can't even I don't even really I can't think of any of the lines that he says oh uh, no I can just think of Nick Cage doing Gary Oldman actually my favorite is uh (laughs) Your uh, secretary of stuff has just been executed. It's just been executed. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. And there's also, did I say the Ledger Joker? Uh, you didn't, but I think that's just like oh, goes. There he is. Yeah. That's like the best voice That's ever. one of the greatest ever. So if you guys have great voices, throw them up in the live chat. Throw them at AMA pod- Podcast. On, podcast. Uh, podcast. On Twitter, and let's get into the production development, which I want you to read this first because I just love that. Yeah. Oh, the first part here? Yeah. And, and it was not filmed in the Dominican Republic. The majority of the river scenes were filmed on the Rio Negro, the vicinity of Manaus, Brazil. The remainder were filmed at the, lo- at the Los Angeles Arboretum. Yes. Uh, which is amazing. And then this is my favorite thing. So, And someone talked about this, too, and, and that's why I wanted to, to – what is it? Why would I want a caravan? With- <laughs> that's great. Uh, <laughs> Was I was I was talking or someone was earlier was saying how the CG in the snake is so god awful yeah and it's un, it's like hard to watch and you told me a fact right before the show yeah the, they spent a hundred million dollars per second no, hundred thousand hundred thousand hundred thousand <laughs> they spent a hundred thousand dollars per second on the snake CGI so like any of those shots where you see like the snake moving and it's like one two. Three, cut. It's like you are literally counting hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's like, can we get the suitcase? Okay, burn the next suitcase. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> bring in the next bag of money. Yeah. Yeah, because at the very end, there's like a there's like a six or seven second shot. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be quite a few. The snake probably is on screen at least, I think at least 30 seconds. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. Right. right. It's $3 million. Yeah. I mean, at least, right? Like, it, the snake shows up a decent amount. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And the CG game where it's like the whole thing. That's just crazy to me. It was an animatronic snake that at one point they like lost total control of during filming. And it like went wild. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like we got we to gotta make it CG. This is, this is dangerous. Uh, and like they kept some of the shots in the movie of the out of control snake. <laughs> yeah. Everybody clear. Get out. Okay. So this movie, um, we see this boy. It's like, boy's like, I'm not leaving. It's like, it's John, like, I, drop character. John, I'm not leaving. Like, I can take it on. John, it will kill you. This is not part of the movie, John. Uh, so this movie, when we get into production development, is very interesting because we've had it happen in movies before where parts of it are, like, not 
parts of it are, are people very new yeah. and the parts of it are people where they're very seasoned and you see like Gladiator's a good example where yeah. production was kind of crazy and they were rewriting while they're on set but the movie's great it's usually like it's usually like we'll count like three to five producers there'll be like one to two that have one that has like generally like a bunch of really you know a Saving Private Ryan right. under their belt or a Schindler's List or some big movie even if it's off genre where like oh you worked on this thing or and there's this. like at least someone in one of those categories that's like pretty relevant yeah usually the second person will have like a smaller filmography but they will have been involved with like one really important franchise or if or it's like, a franchise movies like the Bourne movies the second one will have worked on like the last three Bourne movies only right and you, and you'll know the director or you'll know the writer none of that is the case in this film no you can start with the director if you'd like uh, yes I. <laughs> Will if I can even find it here on this on this paper. His is name Luis is Losa is yes. his name, and it, he's basically a newcomer. He um he was originally a film critic turned director and producer, and he's known for his early work on Peruvian films Ooh. with Roger Corman. Yeah, which is like a pretty big name. Um, that's kind of like all he did. Yeah. Anaconda is is his best known film, which was nominated for multiple Razzies, including the world's director, which he lost. Which he lost to Kevin Costner for the postman. <laughs> Everybody calm down. Um, but the thing about it is that it was a massive success in the box office. Let's throw those numbers up there. We've got the uh, 97 box office uh, where this movie landed. Yeah. Um, so face off being number 11, Batman and Robin, number 12. Looks like uh, George of the Jungle. Uh, if we can blow these up just a little, George, I'm a little George, blind. George of the Jungle. Thank you, Marissa. I appreciate that. It's Marissa Serafini uh, up hey, the Hey, Marissa. How you doing? She's good. She's quiet, but she said she's doing good. She said she's doing well. We have George of the Jungle, something, a sequel there that I can't read. Hercules, Contact. Um, but yes, this Anaconda is the Conspiracy 20- theory. Anaconda is the 23rd highest grossing film of <laughs> of nineteen ninety seven, Dante's Peak. That's amazing. Yeah, which Volcano made less money. This made this made sixty five million dollars. Yeah, domestically sixty five million dollars domestically. And we're gonna get into the numbers in a minute, which is crazy because this movie it like quadrupled its budget almost. Yeah, like in the end, yeah. of, I think it maybe three times. Um, so getting back to to Lausa here, Luis, or however you say his name. The only other things he ever did was he directed the specialist with Stallone and Stone. Yep. And uh, and Sniper with Tom Berenger, which Ooh. is not a good movie. But Sniper's at least like a known entertaining movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Both of those are like known movies. Yeah, you know both of them. I know the cover well. Um, yeah. Do you want to get into our writers and producers? Oh, yeah. No problem. Um, <laughs> Hans Bauer, Jim Cash, and Jack Epps Jr. wrote the film. Um, it's a trio. Basically, Cash and Epps are best known for having written Top Gun. That's uh-huh. that's like the thing that they are known for. Um, Turner, Hooch, Dick Tracy, Anaconda. Like they, I would say all the people involved... As a writing duo, Cash and Epps, that's like, those are real people. Um, you know, yeah. they, the Flintstones, Viva Rock Vegas, like they did a bunch of movies that were notable and they, they met, uh, as, as a professor, Cash met a student and, and, uh, they, yeah, they, they have worked on some things that were relevant. I mean, Top Gun, just the name Top Gun is more relevant than like anything else going on. Yeah, here. absolutely. Um, and then Hans Bauer, who wrote the debut script for Anaconda, his follow-up Komodo about killer Komodo dragons. <laughs> The cover is like, like I'm identical. just terrified of reptiles. The cover of Komodo is like identical. It's, it's gotta be really, and they didn't get any good cast in there. Um, similarly, poor <laughs> they, reviews. They didn't get their John Voight. No. <laughs> uh, he then wrote the story for Titan AE, which I think probably of all the movies that he did was like the most. When did that movie come out? Like 2004, 2000, 2000. Okay. And um, and then everything from 04 to 07 flopped, and he stopped working in 07. So he's basically Cash and Epps are like the, the guys that headline it. Then you move into the producers, and this is the part that really shocked me because. I just don't know any of these people. Yeah, you, no one does. Yeah, uh, this is this is like pretty shocking, I think, because as you said, this movie cost 
Um, where is the budget? 130 or $45 million. So they got a $45 million budget to make this movie. And this is off of like probably the back of the fact that these were the guys that wrote Top Gun. I guess is, I mm-hmm. guess. Because if you go and look at the producers here that worked on this movie and who they were and how they would have actually put together this team, here's who you got. You got Verna Hera, Carol Little, Leonard Rabinowitz, and finally uh, Jack Epps, who is one of the writers. Okay? The four credited producers on Anaconda. They're, they're, like the veteran is Verna Hera, and that's only because Verna Hera has six total credits. Though this right. was her first one, and her credits are like not movies you've ever heard of. One of them is the sequel to Anaconda. One's a documentary, Ooh, Blood Orchid. One's a TV movie. So this was her first movie, or The Hunt for the Blood Orchid is the name of it. Yeah, yep. yeah. You've got um, the, the other I just mentioned, Jack Epps, who had this TV that movie that he wrote, Pigs versus Freaks. That's his other producing credit that he had done prior to this film. Carol Little, Little, and Leonard Rabinowitz have one other movie credit between the two of them. One. That's it. That's the entire... That's the whole... Otherwise, you've got executive producers and associate producers, but the four credited producers on this movie have, in, to their name, two total credits prior to this movie. Man, what do you think Voight was thinking? I have no we idea! We were talking about that. He was like, I'm an Oscar... I've won a fucking Oscar. And at this point, he's not that far removed from it. No. He's, he's like not. And he's still making... He just made heat. Yeah. And he's doing this. Like, on set, he's, like, looking around. Everyone's younger than him. You got an up-and-coming singer, dancer. Yeah. That's your lead. And then J-Lo, Ice Cube. Yeah. And they're all stoked. And you've just got to be there, like... And he's and he's trying. He's maybe, trying real hard. Maybe the cast... Jean Renault was the other choice for his, for his role. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Voight's definitely a better choice, but Renault's awesome. They both would have been good. Yeah, neither neither of them are anything other than white. They yeah. <laughs> they didn't they didn't they even try didn't to even go try for... <laughs> to go Colombian or whatever they're doing. Uh, so yes, ninety seven fans was an amazing year with Face Off, Con Air, oh yeah, Batman and Robin. It's a big one. All I think, that. I think Rush Hour is ninety seven. Rush it? Hour. Yeah, uh, I'd like to see Losa's own review of this movie as well. Yes. Jonas Tiger said that. I think I don't have it listed here, but I just did a segment on my show the other day. I think that I think the order of highest grossing movies in ninety seven were what was like Titanic was number one. Yeah. Uh, Rush Hour was like number five or six. I think A Bug's Life was up there. It's like in the top few. Um, so Ryan Sconard. Yeah. I hope I'm saying that Ryan right. Ryan Sconard. That's my boy. That's your boy. He's on my team this weekend for Grand Prix San Antonio. Oh, this is your guy. Yeah, Ryan, what's, what's up, man? What's up, man? This is awesome. It's cool that uh, it's cool you're bringing some Magic fans <laughs> yeah. over. I used to play. Well, Ryan Sconard, uh, his wife listens to our show. And Ryan Sconard you listens told to my me, Magic show. You told, told me all about this. Uh, yeah. these, these people. This is amazing. I'm so glad to see you in the chat. He's He's been very... Very active, and he had a question here. He said, "Would better CGI have meaningful, meaningfully improved the movie?" No, <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, the fact that they spent so much on it is like mind-numbing to me as it is. I don't think you could have made it any better at the time. Somebody asked a question that if this movie was to be made today with a good director, I think it'd be awesome. Could you make a good movie? Yeah, yeah, probably. Just bring John Voight back. Yeah, play the same role. Same role. Yeah, same <laughs> lines. Just get a different director. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so moving on to critical and reception, uh, critical reception and box office. This movie was released by Sony in Columbia. And it cost forty-five million dollars to make, yeah. which we talked about. <clears throat> it opened April eleventh in ninety-seven. It grossed sixty-five million domestic, which we just looked at, and an additional seventy-one million worldwide for a grand total of one hundred and thirty-six million. And it opened at number one at sixteen million. Like this movie was very successful. Yeah, the fact that do you find it as surprising as I do that it took him seven years to make a sequel? That's crazy. I just. We keep doing this again because we we're playing these movie trivia games and like we keep seeing like the gap for single or for sequels is so 
you got to do it within two years. Well, this is what I always say about that, because when using deductive reasoning with that game, when you're trying to come up with a year's release date, right? Like what year did this movie come out? Um, the trick to it is always this: like, if it came out and it was franchised in a way where, like, this will probably have a sequel if it's good, like mm-hmm. if it's a fantasy sci-fi movie, superhero, something like that. Um, even if it's like a comedy where it's like we're putting these two big people together and we know this is going to be a hit, right? You can usually track it that it's two years. Like, sometimes three, but very often it's exactly two years because it's set up that way. Yeah. As soon as the movie makes money, they're going to come right back. You see it, then you got to get the cast together, you got to rewrite, or you got to write the script. It takes that time of production, then you got to film. Yeah. If you look at the producers on this movie, which we just talked about, it's pretty clear they they kind of, as far as the cast goes, they caught lightning in a bottle a little bit as far as all they these sure people did. being available. Yeah. yeah, people, that's one thing that people have been saying a lot in the chat is that this cast is way too good for this movie. Yeah, like it's crazy that they got all of these people together in this movie and I think to some degree, the producers being so inexperienced, they probably didn't have it organized to come up with a plot for a sequel because so obviously... straight into it. Well, everyone's dead. I mean, you would, you would bring yeah. back three people and the most important part of the movie's gone, so... The snake. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh... But yeah, I think that's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, and then this is where it gets this is where it gets sad for us. <laughs> and this is kind of this is this is why this movie technically probably shouldn't have been done on the show. I think we did a great show for it. Yeah. I think we paid it respects and we talked <laughs> about it intellectually. But it's always tough when it's IMDb scores four point seven, and it's three scores all top and audience critics from Rotten Tomatoes are thirty eight, forty five, and twenty four. The last one's a big surprise to me. But 24? I think. Well, I think it's got to be because it's an old enough movie that the swingback hadn't come on this movie when these reviews were all written. So, yeah. like, I think now, if this movie was to be reviewed in the same way, I'll bet you it would be something similar, like 38, 45, like 60. 70 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see, like, in the mid-60s. Fans love this movie. Yeah, they do, in theory. But, like, someone said in the chat as well that they're, like, re-watching this was painful. And I think it's the same thing that you and I experienced where it's, like, no one actually sits down and watches Anaconda from beginning I, to end. I wonder if that's a specific list of its own. Um, that's a great idea. Like, let, like, Men in Black, Anaconda, you know, these yeah. movies that you watch on cable that seem brilliant. Yeah. But they're not good. And they're, they, they're these mainstay cable movies that just came out in a time where it's, like, you've just seen them as the background so many times. Yeah. Actually watching them. But then the flip side of that is that, like... Roadhouse, for instance, which is a cable right. movie, super fun to watch. It's way better, obviously, to watch, like, listening and paying attention with sound and all it's that. It's funny. I mean, we worked we, we worked in this place for so long where we would watch cable movies with no sound yeah. that you would, like, kind of remember. And it's honestly, without the sound, you... Uh, what's the word I'm trying to like glorify it or like you you mysticize you make it better than it yeah. really is yeah definitely and then you go back and watch like I don't know do yeah. and it kind of a perfect that's not even in the movie no like, no like that the, you know you, we like we like made the line what we wanted it to be it's the same thing I did with the running man it's like yeah yeah, yeah you, exactly it's more fun that way um what was that I, mean, I feel like we had a good point we were just getting to maybe not yeah. um yeah so moving on past that I guess favorite line seems a bit redundant. Well, we should say it, because we, we haven't should. actually quoted our favorite once this no, whole show. No, not at all. Well, the other new favorite. So, yeah. the, we've always said, like, snakes don't eat people. Which is not how he says it. It's actually, snakes don't eat people. Oh, they don't. Yeah. And then, we also quoted the line, anacondas are the part of a killing machine. Which we thought was, like, way later on for a different thing. He actually just says it in succession. It's the same line. And so, he actually says, "It's snakes don't eat people. Oh. Wait, what is he? Get? Oh, I oh, don't know. Anacondas are the perfect killing machine. Yeah, and we were watching. We we're like, no. We're like, that's the whole movie right there. That's, like, that's like what we've been waiting for this whole time. But the one other sweet line is, "This river can kill you in a thousand ways." Yeah. <laughs> that's a really good line. 
Literally anything John Voight says is brilliant. Well, also I love the line when Owen Wilson says, "There's something down there," and he's like, "He's like, no, I mean it." He's like, "I really mean it too. I really mean it too." Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good that line. is a very good line. Uh, yeah, I mean that covers them for me too. I don't really. Yeah. Oh, it was the list of movies. That's what it was. If you if you guys can think of any, tweet them at, tweet them at us at MA Podcast. I don't know what to hashtag it, but I think that's such an interesting idea. Movies, yeah, it's I think it's all the same era because like those eighties movies, like late eighties to to mid nineties or late nineties. Yeah, I guess. yeah, I would say so. There's a lot of them. Like it's funny because a lot of the like the big the big cable movies that you see on a lot, like The Fugitive is a good example of one of those movies that's on cable all mm-hmm. the time. Watching The Fugitive, that movie's really good. Like, that movie has held together yeah, extremely well. Like, yeah. it, 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 some of them have an age. It's just like some of them, there was just something about them when they came out. They just became that kind of movie. And when you go back to watch them, it's like, this is painful to watch. You know, I had a conversation last night at the um, the Better Call Saul premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, How was that, by the way? Really good. Fun. I love that I show. Saw that, uh, I saw that Mike and whoever crashed you. Yeah. It yeah. was pretty cool. Banks was funny, dude. Um, it was good. And the, the party was fun, actually. I got to have some good... I talked to Vince Gilligan for a while last night. Nice. Yeah, he's fun. But, um... I was talking to this guy who is engaged to Ray Seahorn, who plays the blonde. Uh, she plays the blonde on the show. Okay. And he was like, yeah, you know, you used to, you used to work in the industry. I, I don't anymore, but um, I worked for a while there with a bunch of movies like Ed's Wick and guys like that. And I was like, oh, please. I was like, please tell me you worked on The Last Samurai. Yes. And he's like, I did, actually. It was my first movie. I was an associate producer on that movie, and I did all the posts. And we were like, t- so we talked for a while about Last Samurai. Of course. And... Um, I don't even know why I started launching into this. There was a reason. I was going to talk about The Last Samurai. Cable movies? Yes, because yeah. it's on cable all the time. Last Samurai is constantly on cable. Yeah, always. And that movie is it's, phenomenal. It's even better. You go yeah, back it's... and watch The Last Samurai now, I actually think that The Last Samurai came out, people were like, <laughs> yeah, Tom Cruise, The Last Samurai. Yeah. Forget this movie. Four or five years later, Tom Cruise is like that in that weird, like he's kind of a joke period. So I think people were like, well... I don't want to watch that movie. If you go back and watch The Last Samurai now, so good. That movie's really it's fucking good. So good. It's actually it, one of his better performances. Absolutely. I think. And uh, uh, the guy playing Katsumoto, why can't I think of his name? Ken right Watanabe. Ken, Ken Watanabe is incredible. He got nominated for an Oscar in that. Yeah. Cruz should have got nominated for an Oscar. He really should have too, because it was. Yeah. Ugh, that movie's so good. That movie's great. You guys gotta go watch that movie. Yeah. And if you guys can think of any other movies that should be on that list, just tweet them at us. You don't even have to hashtag it. We'll know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, Cage versus Cruise. All right, so three categories, man. No, no, we, you missed it. We got a uh, oh, got, our question. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a question of the day, AMA question of the day, which we always we always ask on Twitter from you guys. Do you have an AMA question of the day? Something you want us to discuss on the show? And sometimes it'll inspire a whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Ryan, who's a longtime listener of the show, at Josh Ryan Sports on Twitter. Um, you guys got to step the- up your game. Josh asks very good questions every week. He really does. He gives us like five options. Yeah, they're amazing. Um, and his question this week: Is there a movie made in the '90s more firmly entrenched in the '90s than this movie? And, you know, I don't know if the answer, this might be, like, it feels so distinctly 90s. Even you want to, like, to, to be a 90s movie, having a trailer like that trailer. Yeah, trailer with that voice, having, um, having like, a, like an up-and-coming, like, rap artist or dancer yeah. or singer in a movie needs yeah. to happen. It became, it became a thing in the late 90s and into the early 2000s. It was, like, Ja Rule and DMX. Like yeah. All these 50 Cent. 50 like, Cent. Ice Eminem. Eminem. Uh, Snoop, Dre, like everyone, they're all in these movies. Like Snoop had like an acting career for a mm-hmm. few years, um, and this movie definitely has all those things. Like Ice Cube and the way he delivers his lines, it's like he's like the token black guy, comic relief, like yeah. that thing that they that you they joke about. Like uh, what is it? In not another teen movie. He's just called the token black guy. Yeah, exactly. Which I think t- uh, not another teen movie is a great example yeah. of, 
of a heart of like really embodying all those '90s cliches. Yeah, we. I mean, Andrew and I laugh a lot about um, the three the three cornerstones of '90s action. Yeah, which is C4 silencers and red dot lasers. Yep. Yep. And like, if you can get all those, you know you're doing something right. Like Air Force One was the first show we did. It covers all three of those things in the in the opening. Yeah, when I they go and take the. Does Russian. it do C4? Do they, think, yeah, there's an explosion as they're leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's amazing <laughs> with the red dot silencers C4. Uh, so we've come up with a list of things that kind of have to be in '90s movies. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so we got silencers C4s. MP5s is a good one. Like what? those, those are like the submachine guns. Oh, are, sure. But th- yeah, that's yeah. like a little technical. But yeah. gratuitous nudity, yeah, is yeah. one where it's just like, why is that girl topless yeah. right now? Why is yeah. there a sex scene with these people that aren't in the movie? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's sweet. Um, yeah, what else you got? Uh, wait, what you, you go? You go. Well, I thought we had our list of the movies. So oh. you wrote down the qualities, and I wrote down the movies. Oh, so this will flow nicely. That's what happened. I yeah. mean, that's. I mean, I don't really have much more than that. So we got. Got famous singer, silencer, C4, gratuitous nudity, uh, red dot lasers, token black guy, token black guy. Um, there were some other ones. We oh, discussed. oh, oh, um, like like very respected dramatic actor playing an outrageous role. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, like an Oscar winner getting put in a crazy character actor role. Yeah, uh, neck snapping. Yeah, that's like one thing that really <laughs> got. This is an art form that they really really used well in the '90s. So we wrote down some movies that we felt like really like embody the '90s yeah. spirit. Um, I'm just gonna like run off the list here a little bit, and if you guys have a few others you want to throw yeah, in the chat, please do. This is definitely one. Like, if you have one in particular that answers the question, because you know, Josh, I think you're Rapid correct. Charger. Oh, look at you moving up in the world. You see, somebody asked on last last week's show one of their comments, "Why don't you bring your charger?" No, why does Andrew's phone die every week? Look, man, if you want to send me some money, and I said, I'll get a new phone. And I was like, and I was like, it's a joke that no one's in on, including us. <laughs> it's <laughs> um, really sad. <laughs> um, so, movies, Rush Hour. Definitely, yeah. For Rush sure. Hour, which has just like over the top racism. Like, I mean, honestly, racism is another one we could just write. Like, yeah. racism, sexism, um, uh, domestic abuse. Yeah, being like a lighthearted subject. Yeah, these are all things that like we didn't want to put on the list because they're like not fun to talk about. <laughs> no. But if you go back and you watch '90s movies, they happen all the time. Where like a husband will just randomly backhand his wife. Yeah. For talking back or something yeah. or like yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, be like threatening and like, but like not in a not in like a you're a villain way, in like yeah. a you're just like an okay kind of rough around the edges dude way. Yeah, that might hit his wife right now, but yeah. might not. Not cool. Please man. don't. Yeah, yeah. So rush hour to me is a big one for um, sure. That really feels like it. Under siege. Yeah, yeah. Casey Ryback. Great. Yeah, it's got. I mean, that's got everything in yeah. it. Literally all the things we listed. It's all of it. American Pie. Oh yeah. American Pie for me is is in for a lot of ways. It, it's, it's like a different, and it's got like the. The cast is like it's like Tara Reed's on the cover of that movie. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like that's like about it. Jason Biggs, Stifler, Jason Biggs, yeah, Sean yeah. William Scott, Jason Biggs, fucking uh, Chris Klein. Like, like Chris Klein is so good. I, I love Chris Klein, Eugene Levy. But like, yeah, that one isn't like as on the nose for like this list. But it is. There is something about it where you're just like, that's the '90s. Starship Troopers. Oh, perfect yeah. again. Gratuitous nudity, ridiculous explosions, aliens. Jake Busey, yeah. Then you on, on the you got Scream, which I think like fits. Yeah, Scream like it's a horror genre, but it's pretty nineties. I mean, Scream it's feels incredibly nineties. Yeah, and the cast again, yeah, the cast in a big way. Um, for for like rom com, you've got uh, She's All That and Can't Hardly Wait. Oh, those right? are so good. Yeah, coming of age movies. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The so. girl that just has to take off her glasses and she's. I had the biggest crush on Rachel Lee oh, Cook. Everyone did. I loved Rachel Lee yeah. Cook. Yeah, she was so hot. Yeah, whatever happened to her? Is she still acting? I don't know. I was wondering about that too because she wasn't bad and she no. was very attractive. What'd you What's, say? Is she still acting? What is she doing? 
Hallmark. Uh, Hallmark. Okay. That's okay. a good. It's a good place to be. She's got a career. Uh, I would what kill else we for got? a Hallmark movie. I really would. <laughs> <laughs> you got. Uh, what else we got? Men in Black? Is that on there? Did you already say that? Uh, I didn't. Uh, Bad Boys. The Bad Boys, right. Independence yeah, Day. seems more appropriate. Yeah, there was there was a real thing. Um, so I, I've plugged it three times, but I'm going to do it officially now. Guys, I launched a show this last week on Anchor, this new app, and it's called Fist Pump Film Club. So Anchor is this awesome app. It's like Twitter meets radio. It's like two to three little two to three minute little blurbs about one subject, and they fall off after 24 hours, just like Snapchat. Mm -hmm. So you just record directly into your phone. You're like, this is what I've got going on. So I'm kind of taking a lot of the themes of what we do here, but I'm talking about all different things in the movie world, up-and-coming movies, um, you know, new releases, bits of news, things like that, and then kind of giving my you know analytical take on it, whatnot. So uh, you can download the app, and if you have thoughts that you like, just like Twitter you know, tweeting at me, you can just call in. You record directly into your phone, and it posts to my account, and then I can share your call-in on my station. Yeah. I, you can share iTunes. Uh, like, every licensed song is, like, available. I can just put it on my channel. It's an awesome app. I'm a big fan. So go find it. Uh, download Anchor, Fist Pump Film Club. And on Fist Pump Film Club last week, I was talking about Brett Ratner. And be- okay. And because he made this comment that he thought Rotten Tomatoes was ruining the movie industry. And I was like, oh, well, maybe because you make shitty movies, yeah, Brett. Maybe you make bad movies. <laughs> so I started talking about Rush Hour, and I was like... There's just this theme in the 90s where it was like, all right, so hip-hop in the early 90s sold a lot of records. So mm-hmm. now it's like mainstream. Now we've got this like big, big trend of hip-hop. So all of a sudden, it's like big money big money record labels are supporting this, this like stereotypical like hood image of like rappers. Right. So that's what you have in the late 90s, the trend we're talking about, which is the token black characters, rappers in movies, right? Mm-hmm. And then... Also, this whole thing, and like it's it's embodied in Will Smith more than anyone because yeah, his is the, like the sassy talk back, it's loud like fresh, mouth. Yeah, Fresh Prince of Bel Air turned into a movie career, turned into a music career, and it's like something about this like if there's a black character, they're gonna be sassy and they're yeah. gonna talk loud and they're sassy gonna be black characters. They're gonna be that... funny and comic relief, and they're never gonna like just like say something calmly, like a normal person without like all this attitude. It's got to be like make you laugh, and it's like. It's really racist. It, it is. It's because as, as their main saw what happened when Michael Bay tried to do it again yeah. later on in Transformers, people freaked out. And those were robots. Those weren't yeah. even black actors. Those were just voices. Definitely. And people were like, this is obscene. Yeah. So that was <clears> definitely <throat> like a pretty interesting thing to notice. Um, of all these movies, I think that Will Smith is probably the actor that feels the most like what we're talking about. But if you look at Rush Hour, you've got Chris Tucker doing the same thing. Yeah. If you look at Bad Boys, they got Martin Lawrence doing the same thing. You, you look, look at any Martin Lawrence movie, Blue Streak, Nothing to Lose, all it's all the same. Anaconda. I, and they're Ice always Cube. paired with yeah. Tim Robbins, Luke Wilson, yep. the straight white guy, yeah. or Jackie Chan, the straight Asian guy. Yeah, you totally. Know? It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it is. It's really silly. So, so um, to answer your question, which I don't even think we even really got to, <laughs> I I do think this movie is very very nineties. I don't think it, it's tough. I mean, yeah, it is. It's completely entrenched in the nineties. This is an, an incredible uh, display of what nineties movies were. I guess it's just that it's not a great movie. So yeah. it's hard to, to like, well, give it that credit. Does that make sense? Yeah, and also I think the one thing that, that pulls it away from it, the cast is the most firmly entrenched cast, but the fact that it's set on a river in a jungle, it doesn't actually have any of yeah. the 90s-isms that we're used to that, that really identify it as a 90s movie. There's not like a, okay, like for instance, and she's all that, the three the three cents on the richer song, three pence on the richer, yeah, kiss exactly. me. Yeah, kiss me. That's... Some song like that that like just makes it. You're like, we're in the 90s. This is the fucking 90s. What did you say, Marissa? <laughs> Six pence, none the richer. Six, yeah, that's what, what it is. Say, three pence? So, three yeah. cents, I think. Three cents, none the poor. I, I don't understand the reference. Six pence, none <laughs> the richer is great. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, that's true because it is the cast. It's only the cast. It's yeah. like young Owen Wilson, J-Lo on her way up, Eric Stoltz. That's the only – and Ice Cube. It's yeah. the only reason you're like, this is 90s. Yep. And the bad CG. So, yeah, guys, that pretty much does it. There's three action movie categories. Totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. Um, totally legitimate movies are like The Fugitive or like Lone Survivor. They really hold together. They're well put together. They don't make you laugh. Um, totally ridiculous movies are like Con Air, you know, Face Off. Movies that are just really silly and you kind of laugh yourself off a cliff and then there are the movies in the middle legitimately ridiculous movies like Predator and Point Break and, and Anaconda <laughs> and uh, they're like driven by like one really good performance or like some really strong plot point uh, but th- they make you laugh a lot unintentionally look it's tempting to just put it in the middle for, it is because so of, tempting because of Void because of Void but there's literally nothing else not one other thing and we're giving Voight so much credit. Like, way more credit yeah. than, than we just, than he deserves. <laughs> yeah. So I think the answer is pretty clearly for it's me totally ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. Absolutely. I mean, there's... There's... No. If you want to argue, please call in the anchor and, and argue <laughs> with Ben on there, because I don't want to get involved in that. It just seems... It's ridiculous. There's no way to ever legitimize this movie. Yeah. There's nothing about it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yep. That's that, guys. We have only one thing left to do on the show, and that is called The Pitch. So next week, next Wednesday, is a special day. It's going to be Andrew Guy's birthday! Hey! April 5th. My mom will be here. Yeah. Uh, 23. It's a good age, man. 23, only once. man. Finally. Yeah. Finally getting old enough. <laughs> be able to rent a car soon. Yeah. It's cool. I'm getting old, man. Yeah. It's crazy. 30's coming up real soon. I'm turning 29. Yeah. Um... It's been a great year, though. I've been doing this for two years. Very excited. So I'm I'm kind of torn. I, I'm going to put up a poll of three films. And yeah. I know what two of them are already. Yep. Because uh, we've talked about them a lot. It's Sunshine. Yep. And 28 Days Later. Yeah. So two Danny Boyle films. And I just need a third one to throw up in there. And I'm not sure what it is. Do you have one that you really love that maybe is like on that same page or caliber? Um, It's tough. Because if I throw anything that's like been on the table for a long time, movies that like people really want just, us to do. Right. Like The Raid Redemption. Right. For instance, I have a feeling if we put the Raid Redemption on there, it just wins. It probably it's, does. It, maybe 28 Days Later wins, or maybe people love Sunshine more than we realize. Hmm. But it's it's your call. Like, whichever one you want to put on there. That is an interesting. I mean, the Raid is one that I really do want to do, but then it's like if the Raid does win. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We're we'll going to put up out. a poll uh, on uh, at AMA Podcast on Twitter. You can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter. And yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be 29 next time you guys see me. Yeah, it's sweet. gonna be sweet. So guys, uh, we're very excited for next week's show. We got a Shmodown match coming up soon. Yes. We'll give you guys the details on that when that gets posted. And uh, aside from that, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Go find me on Anchor Fist Pump Film Club. We've exactly. got big news coming up on our front, movies wise. We'll, we'll announce that sooner than later. And uh, otherwise, guys, we'll talk to you soon. See you in a week. Thank you. Oh, Ben, where can they find you? Oh, they can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks, Marissa. <laughs> Bye, guys. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. 